Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Steps up. Long look, and he's got Hilton for the touchdown! Hey guys, welcome back to Oblivious Sports. I'm Adam here with Ramey. Uh, today we're going to cover some topics, recap of the Super Bowl, then we're going to cover the World Baseball Classic, get into that a little bit. Yeah, definitely excited to get into the World Baseball Classic now that the rosters are finally finalized and ready to go. Loving the uh, the stuff that we can talk about for the Super Bowl as well. Lots of content, lots of uh unfortunate events there with the refs and the way everything went at the end of the game but lots of stuff to talk about too so definitely excited to get into it yeah let's hop right into it here guys so on the super bowl obviously chiefs won 38 35 let's just talk about the viewership here 113 million average viewers third most watched all time in tv sixth highest or highest in six years football still king of sports I mean, nothing can really touch that. Yeah, if you look back at all of the major TV viewership ratings, I think the NFL owns, the last time I looked, it was like 40 of the top 50 events, and the others were pretty much like political debates and stuff like that. Football reigns supreme, regular season games beat playoff games for other sports. Yeah, football is just the most watched there is. America loves it, the world loves it. The way it's going lately, though, I don't know. A lot of people are complaining about how some of the how it's getting soft, flag football and the Pro Bowl stuff like that. I'm not sure how I like that, but you know, still love watching it. Won't give up on it. I will say, you say the world loves football. The world loves the other football just a little bit more overall. FIFA World Cup dominated viewership worldwide, but in the U.S., NFL reigns supreme and always will. Uh, as far as you know, flag football, stuff like that. I actually kind of enjoyed the Pro Bowl this year a little bit more than previous years. It's still not the most fun thing to watch by any means, but I think it's a lot better than watching the guys just go up and two-hand touch each other and just take a knee. Yeah, absolutely. I understand player safety and things like that, but let's get back onto the Super Bowl here. Uh, First thing I want to talk about is Jalen Hurts. Man, that guy is elite. Showed it on the biggest stage when he is open for his contract extension next year, I saw it's supposed to be 49 mil or higher for his AAV Eagles. Go ahead and pay that, man. You have to. You absolutely have to. The guy is a quarterback sneak beast as well, as, we, as we've as we seen. I don't think anyone's ever done it as well as they did that, especially during that game, but just all year they just did it really, really well. He was the best player in that game. He was definitely the best player overall. If they had won the game, he was MVP. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, I want to say I saw the statistic on it. It was heading into the Super Bowl uh, regular season and playoffs combined. Eagles were 33 of 37, converting quarterback sneaks into either first downs or touchdowns, and that's almost like giving you four straight downs. They can play third downs like second downs, and that's that's very elite. That's that's something that's scary for the defenses when they got to go up and face that. Yeah, it gives the offense a whole nother level of being able to just kind of 
go for a shot knowing that if they don't get it, they're still going to have almost a guarantee at that point of converting still. Yeah, absolutely. And on the other side, uh, Mahomes, his legacy now is just insane for how young he is. 27 years old, two MVPs regular season, two Super Bowl wins and two Super Bowl MVPs at 27. That's on a trajectory of a Tom Brady askew kind of player. I have to say, as a Packers fan, it's it's something else to be able wa- able to watch a superstar quarterback go out there and get two rings. <laughs> I don't think uh, <laughs> we have we have what thirty thirty four years or something like that of Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks starting consecutively and two rings combined. So it's something crazy that they're doing. I think they're becoming the the new generation of the Patriots. I think they're going to become sort of the villain at that point because no one's going to want to watch them just continue to dominate. But Mahomes is is that guy. And the way that he got hurt, I'm pretty sure they gave him a big old dose of cortisone going into the half, considering he was running around and ruined my uh, under-rushing bet in the second half after that injury. But he he handled it like a champ, and after the game he was walking around fine too, so... Yeah, cortisone toward all something. Maybe they got into Mr. Miyagi special stuff. Um, I want to talk about on that Packers thing, too. I feel you. They are going from Manning to Luck as Colts fan over here, having to combine one ring. Obviously, Manning got a second one in Denver, but that doesn't feel quite as good as if he would have brought it home in Indy. Um, also, on the Chiefs here, I kind of want to talk about the Mickey Mouse win. Uh, officiating needs improvement. I can understand the hold there. Like, I get that. You can call that. You cannot call that. It's, it's a light hold. Let him play at that point. When you call that, you are basically spoon-feeding the Chiefs that win. They ran the clock out. They knew that if they got that field goal, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were more than likely going to march down the field and obviously kick a field goal or go for the win in total. And with the new playoff format for overtime, they were both going to get a possession. It might have been like the end of uh, Kansas City-Buffalo last year where they just traded shots at the end of that fourth quarter. Um, Obviously, the Bills, if it were in the playoff format this year, would have got another shot at that. I think it would have been something like that had the refs not decided the game for the Chiefs in that moment. Yeah, here's the thing for me. Like it's a hold by the rules. It's a hold. You you call it. But if you call that play right there, you should be calling a hold every single play of every single game because you watch the offensive and defensive lines and the corners and wide receivers go at it. There's a hold on almost every single play. You could go back and look at all the footage of it and you could find something on every play. That was such a weak call. The ball was going to be overthrown as is. And the way that the field was where everyone was slipping around and everything, that was more of just a slip than a hold anyways. They said that it was stopping him from being able to speed up and get to the ball, but he wasn't going to get there. You, like you said, you spoon-fed the Chiefs the win at that point. You've got to let Hurts have a shot at it. Who knows? Maybe he wins it. Maybe he doesn't. But you giving it to the Chiefs there, just it ruins a perfectly good game before that. It was one of the best Super Bowls that I had watched. And then that happens and just ruins the ending of it. Oh, absolutely. I saw people compare it to the Game of Thrones in terms of how great it was leading up until the very end about how they just ruined it all. Um, and it's like Roger Goodell said, 
a week before or so. I've seen so many quotes of that that he said, if you look at it now, I don't think NFL officiating has been better than it is right now. And obviously that's a lie. NFL officiating has got to get better. You have to start penalizing some of these refs for making these terrible calls sometimes, deciding games for teams. It's ridiculous is what it is. It's just the inconsistencies, man. Like, you can call the hold there if you've been calling it all game, but you've got to let the guys play. They were, what, like two yards down the field, something like that. So it was in, it was within five yards anyways. They go at it like no other. You could call a hold on every single play on a wide receiver and corner going at it within five yards. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bounce off that subject. Obviously, we can talk about how the rest blew that game for the Eagles the entire podcast here, but... I just want to get on a funny moment here. Terry Bradshaw is just a menace. I love that post-game interview. He's, he kind of talks to Andy Reid. He says, where's the big boy at? Go ahead and waddle on up here. Oh, man, I lost it. <laughs> yeah, he had a really good uh, post-game moment there. Um, I know we'll get into the Kelseys a little bit, obviously. Jason Kelsey going out, but Travis Kelsey, he uh, he's a funny dude, but, man, he was... He was something else after that game as well, just the way that he was saying, oh, nobody thought we were going to win. I'm pretty sure that they were the second highest overall odds or something like that coming into the season to win the Super Bowl. I (laughs) trying to make them into something they're not. That was all that was. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to make them look like an underdog, like, oh, no, nobody picked us. We haven't been to the Super Bowl three times in the past five years, not us, as if they weren't top five consensus heading into the year. That's almost like primetime Patriots, Tom Brady or Gronk getting up there saying, who would have thought we'd win our sixth championship up here with Tom Brady? Nobody would have thought that. Yeah, he he is unbelievable. His talent's unbelievable. And I love the uh I love the enthusiasm on the field and really off the field from him as well. But that comment just got to me a little bit where he's like Oh, why not us? No one thought it was going to be us. Put some respect on Kansas City's name. Yeah, absolutely. He was a little out of pocket there. I want to talk about the game, actually, and one of the first things that happened was Miles Sanders fumbling the ball. Obviously, the Eagles got it back, um, but from that point on, Nick Sirianni just didn't trust Miles Sanders at that point, which I understand it's the big game and you fumbled, but... They didn't pick the ball up. It wasn't a turnover. Miles Sanders is by far the superior running back on that team. Uh, He had a great year heading into the Super Bowl. I think you just got to give him the ball a couple more times. Obviously, the offense was deadly the entire time. But, I mean, come on. You can't sit your primetime running back for something like that. Obviously, you don't get to the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts. He's the best player on that team. If he stays healthy, he maybe takes the MVP from Mahomes. But there's a debate that Miles Sanders is the second most important player on that team throughout the season. You don't get to the Super Bowl without him either. And you just take the ball out of his hands there. I may be a little more mad about it than some because I lost some money because they wouldn't play the man. But... He he was the difference maker all year for him. Like you have Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders going out there running the ball around like crazy. Even when AJ Brown wasn't playing well, they led the team to wins. And then you don't use them there. And I just I don't understand not giving him a shot there. Yeah, absolutely. You have the likes of Kenneth Gamewell and Boston Scott. I understand that, but best pure runner on that team is Miles Sanders, and there's no debate about that. 
Uh, now about Hertz, let's get back to him. He played out of his mind in that game. Four total touchdowns, 70 rushing yards, 304 passing yards, 20 total points if you include his two-point conversions. That is tied for the most in Super Bowl history regardless of position. And with how many times kickers kick the ball, extra points they get, field goals, how important they are in the Super Bowl, I think that really is crazy that he put up 20 total points by himself that game. The game is in really good hands with the young quarterbacks in the game at this point. You have him going out there. You have Mahomes going out there. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are going to be there every year as well. It's really a start of a new generation now with Brady gone. Who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But Jalen Hurts has really put himself up there with the other guys this year. I think coming into the year, it was more like, yes, he's very talented, but can he take the Eagles that far? I think he proved that and beyond, and he's he put his name right there with all those other superstar quarterbacks. Yeah, there's not a doubt in my mind that he's top five quarterback heading into next season. And, you know, he's kind of had an underdog story to a a point with, you know, being benched in the FBS and, you know, him coming out, transferring to Oklahoma, then being a second round pick, backup for Carson Wentz, then he took over. And he's just taken strides and leaps and bounds every year he's been in the league. Um, and what helped him most this year, I think, is the emergence of A.J. Brown on that team and them trading for him and giving him that money. I personally think Swole Batman is the best deep threat that there is in the league just because he is going to rip that ball away from you. He is stronger than you. He's getting that ball more than a 50-50 ball. It's not, it's not what that is when he goes up for it. It's more like a 70-25 ball when he goes up for it. That catch that he had in the Super Bowl was unbelievable. There's not very many wide receivers in the league that are going to have a shot at catching that ball like that. He finally showed up when it matters. Obviously, he had had a very light load in the playoffs before that, but he showed up in the big game, and it's unfortunate that they didn't get a shot at the end because I could have very easily seen a scenario where Hertz is throwing the ball up to him to try to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's sad that... The last play, too, didn't showcase Hurts' arm there. It was a little bit of a fly. It filtered out there at the end. You know, it, it slowed down quite a bit. Uh, but obviously, that's nothing to take away from Hurts. And a big thing on that offense, too, is Jason Kelsey. He is talking about retiring. Um, that is a giant gap on that Eagles offensive line and team in general. He has a locker room presence. Who's going to take his spot? I mean, 18 sacks allowed in his entire career. Walk on at Cincinnati, sixth round pick. I mean, underdog story if I've ever heard one. He is that guy, and I hope he returns. I just love seeing the guy play. He's good for the game. I hope he comes back too. If not, he's had a hell of a career. It would be a shame that he didn't get one on the way out. I know, obviously, it's good for the Chiefs to get in there and get their next Super Bowl and get towards, you know, creating that dynasty that we all kind of expect them to do at this point. But man, it would have been cool to see him get a Super Bowl near the end of his career. If he doesn't come back, the answer to that is there's no one that's going to replace that on that team. It's going to be a hole. They can get someone to fill it, but you're not going to find someone that has that kind of presence and that kind of skill on the field at the same time to be able to hold down the center position for him. It'll be a huge gap no matter what. 
Yeah, absolutely. And while we're talking about on people who could return, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, he was a huge addition during the season, tied in the league for most picks with six. Uh, obviously, you saw him lay down the hammer on Isaiah Pacheco a couple times. He is a big man on that defense. Kind of reminds me of Weapon X, just because of he's all over. Obviously, he's not to that uh, extent and, you know, level of play that Weapon X was on, but he reminds me of that some ways in how he plays. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. Obviously, he's not anywhere near the same level. No one really is in the league anymore, but he it'll be interesting to see what they do with him this offseason as well. Yeah, and, you know, to wrap it up, I think the Eagles had the game. Nick Bolton played out of his mind on defense as well with the scoop and score six, almost had a pick six as well. It was called incomplete. Uh, Eagles had it besides Jalen Hurts losing that fumble and, you know, refs kind of giving them the Chiefs the win there at the end. But when it boils down to it, Eagles had some miscues and on defense, they couldn't stop much anyways. It was definitely an offensive game. I think there's a pretty good chance you're going to see both those teams right back there next year, to be honest. The NFC is kind of wide open, but if the Eagles uh, bring everyone back or just kind of resupply all those little pieces that they're going to be missing, if they put it all back together, they could easily run it again. And who we can't really go against the Chiefs at this point. There's obviously some other contenders, but you can't root against them at that point. They could be right back there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh halftime show, since we're talk passing the game a little bit. Uh Rihanna, that was an excellent performance, especially with her announcing that she's pregnant, being up way higher than what I would want to be in the air. Um obviously, you know, nobody gets paid for halftime shows, but her streams are up six hundred and forty percent is what I saw today. Did you see the one of the backup dancers almost fall off of one of those top things too? That was scary man i wouldn't want to be up there oh absolutely not it might have been a new uh left shark was it for uh katie perry at halftime i think it was <laughs> yep left shark. it was yeah i think it was going to be one another one of those scenarios uh jackson mahomes also finally made an appearance did not like that he could have just stayed away and not made an appearance he uh i think that really helped uh patrick mahomes win the mvp too whatever he said to his brother about staying away from him and staying out of the spotlight during all of his games. Obviously, ever since the uh, Sean Taylor incident, uh, I have not liked that man, will not like that man. Uh, Yeah, fat L. Maybe Mahomes is going to pull a Rodgers at some point and just not talk to him at all. Rodgers seemed to to be a little bit better after that. Maybe Mahomes takes it to a new level. Uh, And let's wrap up this Super Bowl recap here with who are your favorites heading into next season? I know the odds are always stacked against it. Very few teams ever repeat. Looking back, it's super difficult. I mean, the Patriots barely did it. But I like the Chiefs and the Eagles to go back. I mean, early prediction, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. But they, they're they both the best teams in each conference at this point, especially for the NFC It depends what happens with the 49ers and how healthy their quarterbacks are. But I think the Eagles are the big favorite over there. And like I said, you can't go against the Chiefs at this point. They're not really projected to lose a whole lot going into it. So, I mean, I can't go against Mahomes. I think he's going to get back there again. Yeah, the Eagles are my NFC for sure. 
Um, but I have the Bills going in there. The AFC really has a three-headed monster with the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs. Those teams are just scary as can be. And those are just the, the top of the iceberg there. You also have the, the likes of the Ravens with Lamar Jackson if he stays there. Uh, but the Bills are going to get in for me just because in that same conversation, I have uh, Josh Allen up there with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. He's an electric player. Obviously, turnovers are going to be there, but the Bills wouldn't be the Bills without Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm curious to see if anything happens with Stephon Diggs this offseason after the way everything ended there. But if they stick together, they're right there as well. That's what I meant earlier with, like, you can't count out Mahomes, obviously. He's a winner. The Chiefs are winners. Andy Reid's a winner. But those other teams are right there with them. But until I see one of them take down Mahomes again, I, you got to go with them, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Can't count against Mahomes. Never can. Finally, the World Baseball Classic rosters are officially out there with some surprising names left off of them, some surprising names put back on them, actually. Uh, it's kind of a unique event that goes on. It's only the fifth time it's ever happened. So for people that aren't too aware of it, it started in 06 after the International Olympic Committee removed baseball from the Olympics, started up. 06 was the first time around. The last time it occurred was 2017. If you do remember that, you probably remember uh, the iconic Adam Jones robbery of Manny Machado. That kind of became the big thing from that. You may remember the no-look tag of Javier Baez when Yachty gunned a guy out. Those are kind of those big moments that really make the superstars want to get into it now. After the Team U.S. got their first title in 17, a lot of superstars like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, they've decided they want to do it now. So it's getting more and more filled. I think 16 of the top 18 NL MVP candidates are all playing it this year. So it's jacked full of just superstar talent. The way that it all works, it's going to go through March 7th through March 21st. There's four pools, for those that don't know. The top two from each pool advance to the next round, and they combine pool A and B, pool C and D. At that point, the top two from each of those now combined pools go on to the semi, and then from the semi, two teams face off for the finals. So what we have broken down here is each of the pools will kind of go over the teams and just kind of their top player, top notes going into it. And then we'll dig deeper into the couple favorites going into it. We have three of them written down. They're the betting odds favorites as well. So we'll kind of dig a little deeper into those three teams. And then we'll kind of give you our predictions going through it as well. So starting pool A, they're going to take place in Taiwan over there. They're going to face off. You have Chinese Taipei. The best player that you're going to see on that team is the reigning Chinese uh, pro baseball player. He was the MVP over there. Lee Lin is their top stud. Then you've got the Netherlands. Their best player is the freshly signed to the Padres, Xander Bogarts. Oh, I hate that you have to say the freshly signed Xander Bogarts. Just got to throw that right in my face, huh? Freshly off the new contract. We'll see how he does over there. Uh, Then you've got Cuba. Their top two guys are, or likely top two guys, are both White Sox players, actually. They've got Luis Robert playing over there, and they have uh, past Red Sox player as well, Yoan Moncada. Then you go over to Italy. I think the most interesting part of this team is that uh, Hall of Fame catcher Mike Piazza is their manager. So 
So I thought that was kind of a cool little tidbit. They've got a really young squad. They've got Vinny Pascantino, the Royals' top guy over on there. They've got one of the Cardinals' top young pitchers and Andre Puante playing over there. And then, of course, they've got the Fletch god, David Fletcher, playing for their team as well. Could be sneaky. And then last in that pool, you've got Panama. They have a couple MLB veterans, but nothing too crazy. Their biggest thing so far has been their Dodgers' top, one of the Dodgers' top prospects, uh, Jose Ramos. They had to get through the qualifier in order to get into this into this tournament, and he homered twice in that qualifier to help him advance. So they could be a sneaky team as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the coolest thing, like you said, is Mike Piazza uh, managing the Italy team. Obviously. I like Italy just because it's Italy. Who doesn't like Italy? That's my favorite thing to say back when day when we didn't like somebody in the party chat. Hey, what's the shape of Italy? A boot. <laughs> yeah, I. there's a lot of good teams in this one. Honestly, pool A and B are quite a bit weaker than pool C and D. So those are the more exciting teams to talk about. Just going right off of it. I like the Netherlands. I like Cuba. Uh, and I like Italy. So I think it's between those three teams. The other two are a little bit weaker than those three. So we'll see which two advance. Going into pool B, that one's going to be played over in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, first off, Japan at that point, which we're going to dig a little deeper into that team as one of our three favorites for it. Shohei Otani is all you got to know right off the top. Then you go to Korea. They've got the KBO MVP from uh, Jung Ho Lee on their team. And they've got some MLB guys like Jong Choi, Tommy Edmond playing over there as well. So they've got some sneaky infield talent. Australia is in that one. They're not the strongest squad. The most notable name that I could find to share was Angels outfielder Aaron Whitefield. So not a whole lot of known names over there, but any team can be sneaky going into this. You've got the best players in the country going. China, their most notable player is Ray Chang going back into this one. This is his fourth World Baseball Classic for them, and he's hit like 330, 450 or something like that through the first ones. So he's back for a fourth. We'll see how he does. And then Czech Republic finishes off that one. The only MLB talent that's even on that team is former MLB player Eric Sogard. So again, not a whole lot to love there. I think this division or this pool is very easy to predict who's going to take it home. I think Japan's going to dominate it, and then I think Korea is going to likely be the one to come in behind as well. Yeah, I think Japan is going to take that, no doubt. But I do think China is going to be a little sneaky in there. Korea, obviously, they have the names there. They have the talent. But I think China is just going to be able to come in there, you know, be a little sneaky, like you said. Obviously, top players in the country. So I like China from there. I like China's players going into it, digging a little deeper into their roster. The only thing I have concern with there is since COVID. So since 2019, they haven't been playing at a pro level. They've still been working with their coaches and everything, but they haven't played really much competitively. So I hope the rust doesn't really affect them that much. Pool C, this is where you start to get the really loaded teams here, at least for the people that we know very well. Uh, You've got the U.S. in this one. Absolutely loaded. We'll go into them here in a little bit. You've got Mexico next. They're led by Julio Urias, who came in second for Cy Young last year. They've got all-star catcher Alejandro Kirk. They've got Randy Rosarena playing over there. They've got a ton of other MLB guys or MLB prospects at least coming up as well. They're going to be a deep team. Then you've got Colombia with Jose Quintana, the uh, past Cardinal, past Pirate, now Met as their ace. So they're not as deep of a team, but they've got some talent as well. 
Canada is your next one there with uh, Mr. Frederick Freeman leading the way. They've also got Tyler O'Neill. They've got Nick Pavetta. They've got Cal Quantrill. So they've got a really deep team as well. They could be a surprise. And then Great Britain tops that one off. Their biggest player is Mariners' number one prospect, Harry Ford, officially named Harrison Ford. So I uh, I don't know a ton about their other players, but they've got some top prospects on their team too, so they could be sneaky as well. Yeah, like you said earlier, it's the top players from those countries. You can never count any one of them out. Uh, USA is obviously the favorite from this pool. Mexico recently, I mean, they're really jumping off the charts with all the young players that they have coming in. Uh, but I think my two are going to be USA and Canada. I think Freddie Freeman and Tyler O'Neill are going to lead the way for Canada. And obviously USA is just stacked top to bottom. Pool D. This one's going to be taking place in <laughs> Miami, Florida. They Most of the games afterwards will be in Miami as well. This one started off with Team Puerto Rico. So Yadier Molina is the manager for that team. So that'll be an interesting experience seeing him back there instead of behind the plate. They've got Francisco Lindor. They've got Edwin Diaz. They've got Marcus Stroman. They are a deep team, and who knows how good Yachty's going to be able to help those pitchers just from the manager spot. Then you've got Venezuela. This was the biggest news when the rosters got finalized. Ronald Acuna was expected not to play. He is now expected to be a player for Team Venezuela. So that is going to be a huge lift for them and could change the entire pool. Then you've got the veterans on their team as well. They've got Jose Altuve playing. They've got Salvador Perez playing. And they have Miguel Cabrera, which he is one of the few players that has played in now all five World Baseball Classics. So it'll be cool to see him back for one more as well. And then you've got the Dominican Republic. And I think that there's a legitimate argument that it's the most stacked team the World Baseball Classics ever seen. We'll dig a little deeper into that here in a minute. Topping it off, you've got Israel, Ian Kinsler, previous Ranger, is the manager for the team. Their main major league talent that most people would know is Jock Peterson, the fantasy football guru. And then you've got Nicaragua <laughs> at the end there. Uh, their main talent is Jonathan Loisaga. They don't have a whole lot of MLB talent, but again, who knows? There's a lot of sneaky teams in it. But I think there's a very clear front runner going through this one. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at it, Dominican Republic is more than likely the front runner for everybody. I also have Puerto Rico as my other favorite there. But like you said, Venezuela, getting Ronald Acuna back, that's going to help out in so many ways. He's a great defender, great base runner, obviously one of the best hitters in all of the major leagues. Uh, So when you look at it, I think Venezuela could sneak in there as well. But Dominican Republic is clearly the top team there. Real quick, we'll hit the three front runners. The betting odds have USA and Dominican Republic almost even. And then Japan is a little bit farther back, but still a pretty top-heavy favorite. So starting with the U.S., uh, most notably for them, Mike Trout is there. So it's his first World Baseball Classic. He was named the captain. Then you've got Mark DeRosa managing. But cooler than that, you've got the kid and King Griffey Jr. as their hitting coach. And you've got Andy Pettit as their pitching coach. I thought that was a really cool, just a little addition that they have there. Who knows? It could be the difference maker. Uh, to highlight some of their bigger players, they've got JT Romuto and Will Smith behind the plate, debatably the top two catchers in the entire league, and they're both on the same team. You've got the Cardinals at the corners there, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. You've got Trey Turner coming off of his new huge contract with the Phillies. 
You've got obviously Trout, but you also have Mookie Betts in that outfield. So debatably two of the top three or five outfielders in the entire league on the same team as well. And then the rotation is topped off with Clayton Kershaw, Brady Singer, Adam Wainwright. You've got Devin Williams in the bullpen. You've got Miles Michaelis back there to back him up as well. A lot of players in the pitching side have dropped out, but it is still just a stacked roster. Yeah, absolutely. When you have Mike Trout and Mookie Betts leading your outfield, the top two front runners for NL MVP uh, on your corners there, you have debatably the top two catchers in the entire MLB playing on the same team. Clayton Kershaw, we don't even have to speak on his resume, one of the best pitchers of our generation. You're going places with that team. Maybe just as good, if not better, the Dominican Republic. I think this lineup is better than the 06 lineup that they had, and that lineup included my favorite player of all time and Albert Pujols. They had Adrian Beltre, David Ortiz, Jose Ramirez, Alfonso Soriano. The lineup is debatable with them. Their pitching is better than that team was. Just to highlight some of their players in the infield, you've got Vlad Jr., you've got Machado, you've got rookie sensation Jeremy Pena, you've got Cattell Marte likely playing second base which those four there put Wander Franco on the bench, one of the top young guys in all of Major League Baseball. Then you've got Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto in the outfield, and all of that combined puts Rafael Devers at your DH. Top that off, look at their rotation. You've got unanimous Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara at the top, followed by Christian Javier, which for those of you that don't know him that well, he's the one that started the no-hitter in the World Series and pitched the beginning of that. Huge talent. Their bullpen is deep with Camilio Doval. They've got Gregory Soto. They've got Luis Garcia. They have the deepest pitching in this thing by far, and their offense is right there with the USA or Japan as well. They are, there's no reason, or there's obvious reason why they're the betting odds favorites to win this whole thing. Yeah, that's crazy when you look at their lineup, and obviously their ace in Sandy Alcantara. Juan Soto, uh, one of the best hitters, young hitters there is. Uh, he's already in record books with his OPS for how young he is, uh, starting off her career. Rafael Devers, obviously the best player on that entire team. Uh, you also have you also have Cattell Marte, who's probably the best utility man in the entire league, in my opinion. He can play outfield, second base, like he's more than likely going to play. Uh, main. Machado, Jeremy Pena, uh, Wander Franco, I can tell you he's in the Red Sox uh, division. Hate playing that man. He is stupid good. Uh, Top to bottom, very, very good team. I would not be surprised if they won at all. The craziest part is their pitching is still that deep, and they had Framber Valdez and they had Luis Castillo in there originally, and both of them have recently backed out. You put them on there, there's no doubt in my mind they dominate the entire thing, but... With them going out, my team that I was surprised digging into it, seeing how insane they really are is Japan. Obviously, they're topped off by the best player in the world in Shohei Otani. The man is just incredible. But they've got some major superstars that a lot of people over here in the U.S. may not know too much about. Obviously, you've got Otani. Then you've got the MPB, which is the Japanese league over there. It is, you have the MLB. And then you have AAA below that. Right in between it is going to be that MPB. So the second best baseball league in the entire world. The MVP over there in Munataki Murakami. He had 56 homers last year and almost won the Triple Crown. And then they have Roki Sasaki over there as well. 
And he was most known this last year for throwing a perfect game and then going all the way into the eighth inning of his next game with a perfect game as well before they pulled him from the game. So they've got the two best players over there in the second best league in the world. Along with that, they've got Yu Darvish freshly off of his extension. You've got Seiya Suzuki, one of the top Cubs players now. You've got the Red Sox new face and Masataka Yoshida. And then they've got Lars Newtbar as well, which is kind of strange for Team Japan. He is the first player not born in Japan to play for Japan because of his, I believe it's his mother is fully Japanese. But yeah, he's the first player to play over there not born in Japan. They have a lot of players that we don't know that well personally, but they have some players that from everything I've read could be better than some of the superstars in the MLB. Yeah, absolutely. Just because we don't know them here does not mean they don't light it up over there. Like you said, many players that play in MLB today come from the international player pool and they come from over there. Uh, Shohei Otani, do I need to say more? You have him. Uh, obviously, it'll be great to see Yoshida play as a Red Sox fan. I want to see what he brings. Uh, Seiya Suzuki, loved him. He's great on defense, got some power. I think it'll be really fun to watch that Japan team. Real quick here in the end, I want to go over our picks for it. Me personally, coming from the A and B pools, my top two teams are both in Pool B. I like Japan and Korea a lot coming from that. Japan is by far my heavy favorite on that side. From Pool C and D, it's got to be the U.S. and Dominican Republic. I know, obviously, we're not picking too many crazy things here, but those teams are just unbelievable, and I don't see anyone taking them down unless there's something really fluky going on. Going to the finals, I like Japan and Dominican Republic, and even with how good that Dominican Republic pitching and offense is, I think those superstars in Japan are going to take them down. When I put my bet down for the World Baseball Classic, I'm putting Team Japan as my team. Yeah, you can't go wrong, especially with the top three teams. You can pick Japan, Dominican Republic, USA. You can interchange them. Uh, But my two teams from Pool A and B are Japan, obviously, and I'm going to pick Netherlands here. Uh, Obviously, Xander Bogarts is my guy. I think they're going to be sneaky. I think he's going to lead the way. And then from Pool C and D, obviously, U.S. and Dominican Republic. Those are the top two teams in my mind. Uh, And then I have in the semifinals – uh, those are the teams, and then the team I think are going to go to the finals, U.S. and Japan. I think uh, U.S. is going to top Japan in that. I think uh, all the superstars we have in the MLB that are playing on that team, all the notable players that we talked about, corners, uh, the outfield with Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, the pitching, I think uh, USA has got it this year. Yeah, I, I could definitely see the way that you're going with it. I can see U.S., Dominican Republic. I can see Mexico going deep. I could see Korea going pretty deep into it as well. There's a lot of teams that could go really far. It's going to be a super exciting thing, and I think it's a good thing for baseball and for the MLB to get their superstars into there. Obviously, it's a sport that's kind of fallen a little bit over these last few years. I mean, really, the last 10, 15 years even. So I think it's a great event getting your stars into there and trying to get a little bit more international attention for the league. Yeah, absolutely. And not just uh, MLB itself, also getting some publicity for the Japanese league, Chinese league, leagues all over the world. Uh, You know, baseball in itself is not just ran through the MLB. It's great to see other uh, 
baseball competition going on throughout the world and seeing these leagues prosper and, you know, hopefully gain a little more attention from around the world. I know I've been itching for some baseball and I know I'm going to be locked into every, every single game that I can watch during that, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, hopefully you guys liked learning a little more about the world baseball classic, how it works. I know it's not the biggest event in the world, so hopefully that kind of helps you get a little bit of an idea of how that works. Again, we would love any kind of feedback that you guys have for us. Let us know what you want to listen to. We're going to be back with you later this week as well with a little bit more football. Some big coaching decisions are coming down the wire right now. Sounds like some big quarterback decisions are going to be coming through as well. And then we're going to dig into our baseball recaps from the offseason as well, getting into where we think the teams are going to do this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to record. So please give us a like, give us a review. Let us know what you think. And we will be back with you again later this week with another episode. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Like we say at the end of every episode, shoot us some information. Give us a DM. Reach out to us. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, We're small, obviously, so we can listen to all the input and feedback you guys have. Uh, The next episode is going to be really fun, like Ramey said. Going to cover some head coaching uh, in the NFL. Going to cover our over-unders for baseball in the uh, offseason, how it's going to look for the MLB season coming up. And like Ramey said, he's been itching for some baseball, and so have I. Uh, It's going to be really fun heading into the season and what we can cover throughout this podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Oblivious Sport. We're going to get some YouTube YouTube content out there soon as well at Oblivious Sports. We're starting a TikTok as well with Oblivious Sports. Give us a follow on all of our different social media there. It's going to mean a lot. We're going to get a lot more content out to you guys here soon, especially with this new baseball season coming up. There's going to be a lot of fun off-season stuff for the NFL. But with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.